Welcome to Hidden Voices, the podcast series which explores the less heard voices in health and social care. I'm Kate and I work for Healthwatch Essex. It's our job to make sure that people's experiences help to improve health and social care services. In this episode, we are talking to Debs, who is here with us today to help us understand experiences of the menopause. So hi Debs, it's lovely to meet you and thanks so much for coming in today. So obviously in this podcast episode, we'll be talking about the menopause. So I thought first off, it's probably important that we kind of define to listeners what the menopause is. So what's your understanding of the menopause? So hi, it's really lovely to be here and thank you so much for talking about menopause, a subject that's really close to my heart and I'm very passionate about. What do I understand by the menopause? The menopause is a natural phase in a woman's life or those who may be biologically female but may not identify as female. The average age for menopause is around 51 years old and it's a loss of hormones, particularly oestrogen, but also progesterone and testosterone. A lot of women experience symptoms a lot earlier than 51. Menopause is classed as when you've not had a period for a year or more, but perimenopause can start much earlier. And of course, some women suffer early menopause symptoms through surgery, through treatment, through premature ovarian insufficiency. So some people can be affected at a really young age. Thank you. It's really interesting to hear such a thorough definition of the menopause because I find often we don't have an awareness in society as to quite how complex the menopause is, sort of the number of symptoms that it can involve and how that affects women as well. So yeah, no, it's great to hear more about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting what symptoms we associate with menopause. In our kind of society here in the UK, we talk a lot about hot flushes. We talk a little bit about brain fog and you'll experience that, I'm sure, today because I'm sure there'll be points in this um, conversation when I'll forget what I'm saying. But interestingly, in other cultures, there are other symptoms that are higher profile and things like hot flushes are much lower Mm. profile. There are around 34 symptoms. Some people say a few more, some people say a few less. So it's not just hot flushes. In fact, the two symptoms that women are most likely to go to their GPs to seek help for are anxiety and sleeplessness. Mm. And it's interesting talking there about hot flushes as being something that we know the most about, I guess, in our culture. But even thinking about what a hot flush is, I've found, say, when my mum went through the menopause, she'd say that she was going through one, but I actually couldn't comprehend what that would feel like. So she would sort of say, oh, I'm having a hot flush. I'd be like, just take your jumper off, mum. Like, go on, you know, you'll cool down then. But actually, they can be a lot more serious than that. And I think it's important that as a society, we start to gain more awareness about those symptoms and just how bad they can make some people feel. Absolutely. One of my heroes in life is Carolyn Harris MP. I don't know if you read recently, Carolyn has used some vests that were developed by an organisation called Over the Bloody Moon. And they've been developed to mimic what a hot flush feels like. And she recently took those to Parliament and got some different people to try them on. Some great game MPs tried them on. And I know Jeremy Hunt, for example, said that when he experienced a hot flush, it gave him complete brain fog. He couldn't concentrate. He couldn't remember what he was talking about. So 
you know, it's great that things like this have been developed to let people experience what it's really like. It's not just feeling a bit hot and the consequences of that. And, you know, Carolyn is doing some great work around menopause and that's just one of the elements of work that she's doing. So That sounds brilliant. It's really interesting to hear more about that. And you mentioned previously your own experiences with brain fog. So I wondered if you'd be happy to talk about your own experiences of the menopause and why that's inspired you to do the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. My background is that I've worked for about 27 years at West Suffolk NHS Trust and in lots of jobs, but the most recent job, I was senior ops manager managing general medicine. So a role where you do have to attend lots of meetings, you have to give presentations, uh, you have to support lots of staff. Obviously, it's been a really tough time for the NHS and for anyone, actually, in health and care across the system. It's been a really challenging time. And it was actually just before the pandemic that I started to go hot, actually experience hot flushes. What they don't tell you is that you go cold afterwards. Some women go cold afterwards. So I actually thought that I had a bug. I thought I had some sort of horrible, you know, bug that was going around and felt pretty rotten and went home. It was a few days later, I thought this bug really isn't going away. Obviously returned to work. And then started to experience brain fog in meetings and presentations where I just couldn't keep my line of thought. I couldn't uh, remember what I wanted to articulate. And for people who know me, that's really not like me at all. So that was really challenging. I think the other thing was the anxiety. When you're managing quite a large department and quite high profile projects, you're dealing with budgets you have to be able to go home and switch off. And I realised that actually I was getting really anxious. Large projects where I'd always wanted to succeed, but I hadn't worried about, you know, what could possibly go wrong. All of a sudden I was very anxious and that really affected me. My mum and my aunt, the real sort of matriarchs of the family, for different reasons, didn't go through menopause. So I didn't really have anyone to talk to. So I thought that I would set up a little session to have a coffee and a chat with some other women who worked in the same trust, who perhaps were experiencing the same things. So I started to talk about it. Obviously, I'd worked there a long time. I knew a lot of people. It was really for me to find out what this was all about, you know, because I thought, well, maybe it is menopause. Had a chat with a few people. There was about 10 of us met for a coffee. I made a cake bribe people that was lovely it was quite emotional I mean one of the biggest things I hear women say is I thought it was just me and to have that little intimate group and to chat to each other and say well you know I know it's about hot flushes but I feel really anxious it really meant a lot to us all to know that we weren't alone gradually that group grew despite my cake making skills Mm -hmm. the next meeting there was about 15 of us The next time there was about 30 of us. It started to get to a point where actually I was thinking, where on earth are we going to meet? Where's big enough, but private enough Mm. that we can meet, keep that intimacy and have that, you know, chat with each other and support each other. And then the pandemic hit. And that was a time of high anxiety, obviously, for all of us. But what it did do 
was start meetings on Teams or Zoom. And all of a sudden that solved the problem of where could we meet and still have that private conversation. Obviously a lot of staff were working from home then as well. So then we started to meet on Microsoft Teams. We started to have a few guest speakers, some great people who really supported me. We called the group My Pause as a, a play on menopause. And gradually that group extended to over 100 staff, over 150 staff. As I then took the role that I have now, which is working for Suffolk and North East Essex Integrated Care System and leading on health and wellbeing for staff across the system, our group now has over 300 members. It was really interesting because we, we had lots of great expert speakers talk to the group about different subjects because there are 34 symptoms there's just so many subjects that you can talk about and actually we were externally evaluated and some of the feedback was we love all the great sessions but actually we missed that intimacy so we almost went full circle and now we have monthly check-in and chats every third Thursday of the month and that's not to have you know great speakers there that's just to say how are you doing and those sessions remain our most popular sessions and I think our kind of most endearing most positive sessions mm. Yeah, so that's that's the journey of me and my pause. It sounds like an incredible initiative and to have brought together so many people. Like that's really phenomenal, especially over the pandemic as well. And it just seems that a really kind of there was a real need for people to talk about their experiences of the menopause that didn't exist before. So I wondered why why aren't people feeling like they can talk about this when it affects so many people in society and what your thoughts are about that? I've really noticed a shift in the kind of about coming up to three years probably since we sort of started the group and the group I really want to make the point that the group grew so much not because of me but because of the need as you rightly say there was such a need we know that over 70% of NHS staff are female over 80% of social care staff are female they are actually our biggest growing cohort of staff within health and care are menopausal people. So the support is really needed. And at the beginning of this journey, in meetings, we would very much acknowledge any kind of diversity in the meeting. So we were very supportive of anyone who required support, who was of a different ethnicity, a different culture, we have a real vibrant community within the NHS of wonderful staff who join us from all different ethnicities and cultures, which we embrace. And if you talked about that in a meeting, it would be accepted. I did start to make the point of saying, but we also have this menopause support group. Mm -hmm. So if you have staff who are menopausal and need support, please point them in our direction. When I first started to do that, it wasn't accepted in quite the same way. It wouldn't be unusual to hear a snigger or, mm. really, you, you, you've said the word menopause? When we first asked to put some information on social media, we were asked, won't people find that embarrassing? You know, this is three years ago and we have come so far mm. in this three years. 
I have to say that West Suffolk Hospital really supported Vipors. The management, Nicola Cottington, Ellie Stewart, who's a Eurogyne nurse there, who is an absolute wonder. She's fantastic. And she would walk into one of our meetings where we were still a bit nervous. We, we were still nervous to talk about symptoms, especially some of the more intimate symptoms. And Ellie would walk in and say, OK, ladies, today we're going to talk about dry vaginas and we're going to talk about some solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that was so refreshing and we, you know, we might have a giggle and then we'd all start talking about any symptoms that we had. So it really was groundbreaking days of breaking those stigmas and taboos, even within the intimacy of the group. Mm. Since then, I mean, anyone who's on Twitter, who's on Facebook knows there's so much social media now about menopause. Obviously, Davina McCall and her programmes has really highlighted the issues of menopause and she's a fantastic supporter as well of menopausal women. A friend of mine now who's become a friend was a consultant nurse at Guys and Tommies in London and she runs a social media page called Flux State which goes through all of the 34 menopause so people can really get to understand them. There's so much on social media, it's so much more accepted now and that's fabulous to see. There's been so many menopause warriors out there just talking and talking about it. And every time I hear someone talk about it, every time there's an opportunity for me to talk about it like this, I am so grateful because it just helps to continue to do that. Absolutely. And it's wonderful to hear that there has been a real kind of breakdown in those stigmas and the silence around menopause in the past three years. And also it was great to hear that your employer was so supportive of the work that you've been doing as well, because I know there are instances where some employers are incredibly unsupportive and people have a really difficult time negotiating that. Thinking of women that I've spoken to about their own experiences when I've been doing research, often they were surprised to find if they had a female boss, for example, that they'd be very unsupportive. I think due to that stigma, sometimes employers don't quite know what to do. Yeah, that menopause and the law is very interesting. And, you know, to expect that because you've got female boss, they may be more supportive isn't necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. So many women don't know about menopause themselves. Mm -hmm. What we found is so many women don't realise that they're perimenopausal. And they'll join one of our groups and say, well, that was like a light bulb going on. Now I understand my symptoms. So it doesn't necessarily follow. But menopause and the law is very interesting. So it's not a protected characteristic at the moment. There has been precedents that have been set related to age and gender around menopause where women have won their cases, where they have been treated unfairly. One of the things that the task force, the national task force that Carolyn Harris co-chairs are working on is looking at uh, whether it should be a protected characteristic. I personally think it should. So it's menopause and the law is very interesting. One of the things our group does now is that we offer to talk to any managers who work within health and care, within Suffolk and North East Essex, within our systems, and we can offer advice on how to broach that conversation, how to support staff, to understand menopause and the law and the press We have developed now an example of really good menopause policy, which is for anyone to use. Any of our information is for anyone to use. Our policy is on NHSE Futures platform as an example of good practice. 
We're about to be accredited by Hempicked, an organisation who gives accreditation to different organisations, trusts, systems, who really do support their staff. And we also provide sessions for men. We did a fantastic session for a group of porters at West Suffolk Hospital. And I was a bit worried about that session, which which does not reflect well on me. I thought that session was going to be quite tricky and perhaps supporters don't want to know about menopause. I think learning about menopause is for anyone because you're likely to have someone in your family who might be menopausal, you're likely to work with someone, have a friend who's menopausal. So I think it's for everyone, but not necessarily everyone agrees with me. So we went to this session thinking, how's it going to go? And actually, it was the most fantastic, engaging session that we've had. It overran hugely. The portering staff were very engaged. They asked lots of questions. They shared their experiences. They thought it would be useful for their personal relationships, for their work relationships, where they're going around wards, talking to lots of female staff. Yeah, so we offer lots of support, not just awareness sessions, but Sessions for managers to learn better uh, how to support their staff. Sessions for colleagues and for men. We've also trained 45 menopause advocates across the system, hoping that we can promote some sustainability and that our advocates can then go on to train people within their organisations. So we're hoping this whole thing kind of cascades out into the whole system to support staff everywhere staff working within charities within voluntary sector and within all our health and care organizations that sounds fantastic because it it really is about engaging everyone like you say like everyone should know about the menopause and so often I think I guess experiences like the menopause or menstruation are classified as like women's problems in inverted commas and that just means that we don't talk about it as a society as a whole so I think it's amazing to hear that you ran the session with Paws and there was that real engagement and, and sort of seeing the value in engaging men as well. Sort of thinking about some people that I've talked to about the menopause, they're sort of like, oh, no, no, I don't want to talk about that. So I wondered how you created that safe space where everyone felt comfortable talking about the menopause, regardless of their gender and, and kind of any advice you might have for how you might engage those people. See, I personally think that the demand is there. Mm. It just might be that you're not aware of it. I think most of us now, especially since the pandemic, you know, the increased anxiety that a lot of people felt, that we all felt really through the pandemic, I think there's more of a focus now on health and well-being. And obviously we don't just offer support around menopause. We offer lots of support within our health and well-being portfolio. But I think it's okay now to talk about anxiety, to talk about health and well-being and to talk about menopause. I think we've come such a long way. As I say, I think it's promoting the fact that it's not just of benefit in work situations, but in personal situations Mm. as well. If we have a better understanding of each other and what we're going through generally, it seems to improve relationships. If we can put ourselves in in different people's shoes, what we try and do is not personalise symptoms. So I'm Debs, I'm menopausal, I'm not an anxious person, but I'm a person who experiences anxiety because of menopause. I don't forget my train of thought, but I do suffer brain fog, which does um, have that effect sometimes, but I never did that before menopause. Mm. So I think it's about being open, transparent, offering it, it may not be taken up at first, offering it 
with a way that demonstrates what the advantages are, both in work and at home. Understanding that through that discussion, people might understand how to broach the conversation better with others. As I say, it's not just about selling it as, let's understand hot flushes. It's selling it as understanding it as such a broad subject affecting so many people. And I think once people understand that, they are really happy to engage and have that conversation. No, that's fascinating to hear. Thank you. And I think it goes such a long way to breaking down that stigma that women's health concerns should be something that should be concealed. I know kind of doing research myself on the history of menstruation historically if you got your period you weren't meant to kind of tell anybody let alone the kind of men in your family that it was happening so to encourage those conversations within families and within relationships about the menopause that that's so valuable and it seems like the work you're doing in that area is fantastic well it, it's work that a lot of people are doing and absolutely we we still find now i mean it's very interesting how menopause is suffered is experienced by people who are from different cultures different ethnicities different countries and what you've just said for example about the stigmas and taboos around period pain and experiencing periods and menstruation that's still a factor with some cultures where they consider that menopause is something that is just there to be endured like pregnancy and childbirth so we do find that with some ethnicities, the uptake of HRT, for example, is far lower. Mm. We're actually working with University of Suffolk, you'll like this, okay, mm-hmm. researching <laughs> menopause and how it affects people who are from different cultures, different ethnicities, who identify as a different gender, who have different sexual orientation. Because our voice of support, we want to be heard by everyone who suffers symptoms. And that's why a lot of the time we try to talk about menopausal people. So we're working with the University of Suffolk and it's absolutely fascinating. Some Japanese cultures, for example, talk about shoulder pain as a menopause symptom. Some parts of rural India talk about sight loss. Mm. So it's a fascinating subject. And I think, you know, there's no one expert on menopause. Because there are 34 symptoms, we've had consultant rheumatologists kindly talk to our group about bone health. We've had gynaecologists talk to the group. We've had consultant psychologists talk to our group. So there's no one person who is an expert on every symptom or every aspect of menopause. It's such a broad and fascinating subject. And with the right support, it can just be a new phase in a woman's life and something to be celebrated. Absolutely. And thinking about my own research and research that's been taking place in Healthwatch, At the moment, our information and guidance manager, Sharon, has been doing a really extensive project on menopause and been interviewing, I think, upwards of kind of 50 women about their own experiences. But it seems like you say that there really are some kind of positive experiences to come out of going through the process of the menopause. Not least, I remember speaking to one person who'd had really heavy periods, so she really celebrated the fact that she didn't have to contend with those anymore. And another person I spoke to sort of said the fact she didn't have to worry about contraception was really liberating, and she sort of felt like she had more control of her life. And I think actually, in seeking to understand their own experiences of the symptoms of menopause, a lot of individuals almost 
become experts in themselves and their own well-being and healthcare in a, in a way that they hadn't done previously, if that makes sense. So Sharon certainly found that a lot of people going forward a lot, I know, I know what I need now and kind of how my body works in a way that I didn't used to have sort of gone forward in quite a positive way with that knowledge. And I wondered if that's something that you've come across as well. Absolutely. And I have read about the work that Sharon's doing and it sounds absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear of someone, you know, talking about menopause, doing that kind of work, it just brings joy to my heart. I love it. And so fantastic. Well done, Sharon. Amazing stuff. I can't wait to hear, you know, the, all the outcomes of that. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think that there was a perception that menopause at one time was a very kind of white middle class mm. type issue. There's been quite a lot of products that have come on the market that are for menopausal women now. I don't think you necessarily need all of those Mm. products. But actually, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of women in our group who are from all different backgrounds and cultures, from all braids of staff, we've got consultants, we've got GPs in our group, we've got you know, all all different grades of staff within within health and care. And women are really keen to find out all the solutions. We do talk about HRT, obviously, and there's some great information out there. There's a great poster by the British Menopause Society, which really clearly explains the risks of HRT and, and where risks are very minimal. But women now are also keen to know about uh, herbs that help as well. Things like black cohosh, vitamins that they should take, vitamin D for their bone health. So absolutely, I think you're right. Women want to take control of their own health issues. They don't just want to jump into a solution. One of the themes that we always hear at our group is I want to have a really good productive discussion with my GP. How do I do that? And it's something that we do try and support our group with. And our advice is to use a symptom tracker. There's the balance app or there's lots of symptom trackers you can just print out or just use a diary. Be really clear when you go to speak to your GP We know that GPs are under pressure still. They have been through the pandemic and they still are. They don't always have lots of time to spend as much as they would like to with patients. So we say be really concise about your symptoms. Go in with all the information that your GP will need to inform that discussion. And then you'll get the best outcome you can um, from your GP. Just to pick up on something that you just said about the advantages of menopause and yes, Of course, stopping periods is an advantage. Stopping having to take any uh, form of contraception is an advantage as well, but please don't do it too soon. Mm -hmm. Please wait until it's at least a year since you've had a period. There are some ladies who do get caught out that way. (laughs) That's that's really important to recognise, actually. Thank you for sharing that advice. And thinking you've talked about the inclusivity of your group and obviously recognising women from different backgrounds and cultures. And you also mentioned those who don't identify as women and their experiences of the menopause. And I wondered if you had any other kind of advice or guidance or things to say about people who go through the menopause who have a different gender orientation. Because obviously I don't think that's something that's always 
acknowledged or talked about in the mainstream media when we're thinking about menopause? Absolutely. That's something we definitely do talk about when we can present on inclusivity as well. And we have lots of resource around it. There's some fantastic books out there. There's some people who are really leading the way with regards to menopause and gender. And you can imagine, you know, it's hard enough for someone who identifies as a woman to say, I'm really struggling with my symptoms. But someone who doesn't identify as a woman, who may be non-binary or who may identify as a man, it's even harder for them to raise any kind of issues that they have to seek solutions, to feel okay with discussing it. And that's why it's so important to us to make sure that we are speaking to everyone who may suffer menopause symptoms. So we do present on inclusivity. As I say, we have there's lots of books out there now. There's some great social media pages around menopause and inclusivity. There's pages around black women and menopause. It's a fantastic page. A lady called Tanya Glide is doing some great stuff on, on social media. We've got lots of resource that we're slowly collecting and collecting for anyone who's interested in that subject. And we'll be sharing those as well with University of Suffolk. If anyone is interested in joining our focus groups to talk about this subject, it's something that we definitely want to cover in depth to say, you know, how can we make you feel more at ease to talk about your menopause symptoms? Um, if you don't necessarily identify as female, how can we make our voice heard for anyone in that situation? Because we want to offer you support as well. That's brilliant. Thank you. I think that inclusivity is so important. So sort of to wrap up my line of questioning, I guess, I wanted to know if, if an individual thinks they're starting to have perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms, what's the kind of first piece of advice that you would give them? The first piece of advice I would say is don't worry, you're not going crazy. It's not just hot flushes. You may all of a sudden feel one day like bursting into tears and you don't know why. That's okay, that's normal. You might all of a sudden feel anxious in a situation where you've never felt anxious before. That's okay, that's normal. You might all of a sudden develop allergies there are so many different symptoms. Your bones might ache. You know, it's not just your period stopping and hot flushes. You might have real mood swings and feel so guilty about it. Don't feel guilty about it. It's all normal. So the first thing to say is you're not alone. It's normal. I suggest you track your symptoms. As I say, the Balance app is great. It's a free app. It's a green letter B. Download it to your phone, track your symptoms, read about the menopause. Open up to your manager, open up to your colleagues. There are some great menopause-based social media pages out there. We're on Twitter. We're at MyPause1. Join us, contact us if you want any support. Other great pages like Positivity. They do a, a whole pack around menopause that you can download. Uh, Flux State, run by the amazing Catherine Gale. Look up her pages. She has a booklet you can download, which has every symptom in detail. And ultimately, if it's really affecting your quality of life, 
you know, if, if you feel that you need support from your GP, go and speak to your GP. Don't hesitate. I speak to a lot of women who pay huge amounts of money because they feel they have to go and speak to a specialist. You don't, all, all the support you need is free. Just be well informed on your symptoms and go and have a discussion with your GP. But, you know, the main message I would want to say to anyone is you're not alone. There are lots of us in the same situation and we're all here to support each other. I think that's brilliant advice. Thank you. And you mentioned um, your Twitter handles, uh, how to get involved, but is there any other way that people can contact you if they want to join your group or get involved in some of the focus groups that you mentioned? Absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity to say that. So yes, as I say, DM us on Twitter, which is at mypause1. Email me, um, debs, D-E-B-S dot crelly, C-R-E-L-L-Y, at suffolk.nhs.uk email me if you need support if you just want a chat if you'd like to join our check-in and chats if you'd like our newsletter on all of our health and well-being offers because we have lots to support all staff across the system i love to hear from people contact me and we will happily point you in the direction of any kind of support you need Or if you feel that you'd like to join one of our expert panels or one of our live sessions, you know, if you're a gynae nurse, if you're a nurse or a consultant or a doctor who deals in any of the symptoms and would like to help people, then contact us as well. That's brilliant. Thank you ever so much. And I wish you all the best with my pause. It's a phenomenal initiative and um, it sounds like it's only going to get bigger and better so thanks so much for coming in today I really appreciate it and it's been wonderful to have a chat to you I really appreciate you letting me thank you Health Watch Essex thank you Kate this is brilliant so we um, will be back in a minute following a short break for part two of the questions So for the second part of our podcast we're going to ask you to play our game Full Disclosure It's a chance for you to answer thought-provoking questions. So you've got a deck of cards which you'll see in front of you and each one has a question written on it. So when you're ready, grab a card at random, please, Debs, and answer the question that follows. Oh, okay. Well, you're you're asking a woman with brain fog here, so I'll do my best. Okay. Bulletproof vests, fire escapes, windshield wipers and laser printers were all invented by women. Yay, go women. (laughs) What would your invention be and why? My invention would be something that would allow you to understand how someone was feeling that day. You know, nothing confidential, but just how they were feeling so that I could know how to support them. That would be my invention. That's a brilliant invention, yeah. (laughs) I like that as well, thank you. Next one? Yes, please. Okay. No one talks about, oh gosh, okay, this is a tricky one. No one talks about, because if no one talks about it, it's likely to be something really controversial that I'm not going to want to talk about. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm going to say, so this is a, a little bit controversial, but I have perhaps just talked about it, and that is no one talks about the urogyne issues that women experience in menopause. So... Women can experience symptoms of horrible dry vaginas that's really awful to the point where you can't sleep. And that's a subject that people find very hard to talk about. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and I think when you're talking about actually giving people the opportunity to discuss that, that's so important. So, yeah. Okay, next one. If you could wake up at any time in history, when would you choose and why? These are good questions, guys, honestly. <laughs> this is a bit weird, but my husband has dual nationality and he's American and we're lucky enough to go to America. And we went to Selma and walked the Selma Bridge where all the civil rights marches were, where Martin Luther King marched. As a white woman, I would like to go back to when the march was on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma to be able to stand and walk next to those people that were doing that civil rights march. That's my answer to that one. <laughs> Shall I move on? Oh, gosh. What's the most embarrassing song in your playlist collection? Well, gosh. One of the first concerts I went to see was Kajagoogoo. <laughs> so probably a Kajagoogoo song. And we went to the venue that I saw Kajagoogoo in Ipswich not so long ago. And my husband decided in the very packed forum to shout that that's where I saw Kajagoogoo just to embarrass me. <laughs> what's the best idea you've ever had and why well I'm really sorry this is really obvious but probably the best idea I've ever had was asking some colleagues to a coffee to talk about menopause certainly I benefited from it the most and I'm really hoping that other people did as well so um, that's a bit of an obvious one how would your friends describe you in three words talkative (laughs) Mm, I think probably passionate and probably a bit goofy. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, we've got one more. The final question. Oh, gosh. What would be the title of my life story? This is the most wicked one. This is really <laughs> difficult. What would be the title of my life story? I think the title of my life story would be... It would have to incorporate pause for my pause. So the title would be... Never a life on pause. That's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much for answering those and for coming along today and talking about my pause and all the amazing work that you've done, Debs. Really appreciate you sharing your own experiences too. That's so important to us at Healthwatch to promote those experiences. So thank you ever so much for your time. It's been wonderful to meet you and all the best of luck with my pause going forwards. Well, fabulous to meet the Healthwatch Essex team. I think you're all doing fabulous things and really, really appreciate this opportunity to speak to you. Thank you.